Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Growing in Grace, a wonderful weekly program that reminds us that, uh, well, none of us have arrived. We don't know everything. And we're learning an awful lot. And we're unlearning things too. And that's half the fun. Um, this particular topic, where today's going to be part three, um, we're looking at this topic called Debunking Divine Command Theory. When I first heard of that title, I went, What's that? I got to look that up. And when Richard and Bill began talking about it, I thought, Oh my goodness, these are, these are constructs of thinking that many of us that have grown up in the church haven't embedded in us and we don't even know it um now again it's it's a it's a name that you know man comes up with but it frames a a, a type of thinking or a filter uh that we put our beliefs through uh without even knowing it and anyway it, to me the the conversation's growing stronger and stronger Today's really good. Um, you're going to love it. If you didn't watch any of them, you got to go back and start uh, part one. Um, just click on the link below to the um, playlist on YouTube that I share this to. You can go back and watch any of them. We're at 161 already. That's like three years worth of uh, um, talks and teaching. Some of them are duplicated, not many, but it's fun. It's, it, this, is a, <laughs> this has been a conversation that's been so, so good. Let's dive right into it. I think you're really going to enjoy today's conversation. So part three, here we go. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to another conversation about divine command theory. I think that's what it's called, right, Richard? Right. Okay. So the last two conversations, I've gotten some quite um, positive feedback in the comments and from messaging from folks that are appreciating we're actually dealing with this topic because I think it's been an, a hidden topic behind the scenes that nobody realizes is there. I never knew what the title meant until we talked about it. And went, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's like a core belief that we don't even realize. And so this is about dismantling or disabling the power of false thinking. And uh, that's what I'm seeing going on here. So what did you guys think of the last time? How do you want to start into this one? Richard, you're about to tell us something here. This is just going to be raw and real people. It just is. Well, you know, you know, we, uh, one of the things we noticed about Adam and Eve is that they started talking, <laughs> they started talking about God like he wasn't in the room. Oh, okay. He had been in the room walking in the breeze of the garden. And I, and I understand that's, you know, it's, it, I, I see it as an allegory, but it, there's so, it's a rich allegory. And there's so many things to it. But they started talking about God as if he weren't there. And then, and even if you look at the, the, the serpent, the way the serpent tricks him into something that God said in the past. And there's something about this command thing, which it moves God out of our presence. All right. And, and because God is always speaking. God, God to us is, is a state of being. He's a state of being to where his nature resides in our conscience. We don't, should not have to live on past commands of God. And when we think about it from one angle, if we do live on past commands, what does that mean we're really doing? 
We're not listening to him now. Mm. We're not evolving now. And we've sort of defaulted. I don't want to have to listen to him now, or I don't think I can hear him now. But all of these commands, you know, so the serpent did not God command, did not God say, you know, or did God say, you know, and it, well, you know, they should have turned around and said, well, let's ask him. Let's ask God. <laughs> you know, he's here. I mean, we can't. The, this whole thing about it is about evicting God out of our presence. And the, that's what the divine command theory does. And I, I was, uh, you know, the, the idea that if God commands it, we, you know, I guess just to recap a little bit from last week, that, that if God commands it, then it's 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 okie dokie. It's, it's virtuous just because God commands it. Even if he tells me to go kill my neighbor's baby over here, bash my ba- the baby's head against the rocks like he did in the Old Testament. You know, there's several war rape passages where he where he commands the Israelites to go and take their women, ravage them. You know, and and uh, and, and 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 those those are called the war rape passages. Why, why we, do people why do people own or like those so much? Why do they think that that's God? Is it could it be an us versus them mentality that we're better there? Like, yeah, it's bizarre. It, people actually would agree with that, and it keeps us from hearing him now. That's what it gets back to. Mm-hmm. I, I I'd like to propose just up front that 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 God's nature it lives in our conscience. The nature of Jesus resides in our conscience and that's what we're to hear that's the organic hearing of god in the moment because if practicing this lost junk has taught me anything it's that every now and then you see the light of god shine in on a situation but when the light of god doesn't shine in on the situation it's just so manufactured and so arbitrary and so lifeless and so based Mm. technicalities about what a statute says no one is no one is encouraged to listen with their conscience but whenever a judge listens with his conscience to a case and does something unexpected i mean that's the glory of god that pops in that thing but but law if you let it it can become such a routine that all you're doing is applying what was said in the statute and you're not even using your conscience to weigh what's going on in this case and and to weigh the motives and to weigh the goodness and to weigh the potentialities of it mm. So, so all of this, I think all of this that we're talking about is why have we replaced past commands and where do we get the past commands of God from? And we were, we, before we went on, we were talking about, well, they come, they come from scripture. All right. I can read a scripture. And if, if, if I just read a command from the scripture, I don't have to use my conscience. I can just rely on the written word. And you mean what, the can clear, I, what it clearly says? What, Early says, and then I don't have to engage my own conscience to it. So then, so then, if God commanded it, well, you know, you know, God's ways are mysterious. If He wants those women raped, you know, there must be a reason. And because God said to rape them, because God said it was okay to rape them, then it, then it's virtuous because God cannot do anything that's unvirtuous. Mm. So it calls good evil and evil good. That, that's that's you know that's Isaiah said that woe unto those who call evil good and and any uh, good evil and exchange poison for you know for, for for taste you know but that's that's what what we're dealing with here and um but but not just scripture it can come down to people thinking they have a dream god commanded me in a dream you know we've heard people who had a dream of god to kill something or do something and they were following god or he was coming back on a particular day they interpreted that as a command that they could not budge off of you know, or, or a vision, you know, someone can have claim to have a vision. 
or someone can claim or, or, or through their denominational a word of prophecy yeah yes oh, yes cringe, exactly. cringe. A tongue, interpretation of a tongue um or uh, an institutional teaching a doctoral uh, you know denominational teaching a cultural teaching that, w- that we take as the command of god mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, uh it could be a racial thing you know like we're god's chosen people you know so so god commanded it so so it doesn't matter what we do at this point we're God's people. Anything we do is okay because we're God's people. All right. And, and, and all of that is, 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 is insidious, really. And so, so, so you would ask the question, well, how do we know then? I mean, how do we know God commands us? Because, 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 because Jesus lives in our conscience. And because his nature lives in our conscience, we have that template of our conscience to put over anything. So if you come to me with the word of God that, we're, we're, that says God commands us to do this, what can I lay over that thing? I've got Jesus inhabiting me. You have Jesus inhabiting you. And with the three of us together have a have a big, high pixelated view of Jesus. All right. So we can put that template over the thing and say, now, wait a minute. There's no rape here. There's no violence here. That's not Jesus. We can use his nature as the divining rod to, de- to determine the truth in all these things, to determine not what God did say, but to determine what God is saying now. And I think that that's the whole thing. We're, we we have accepted things as commands of God. And and I well, what I was going to share earlier, what that my friend Michael King said, and I thought this was crazy. He said, you know, what gets me about the Bible, people say, well, you can't judge the Bible by your own experience. You know, you, you have to follow the word of God. And yet everyone in the Bible is describing a personal experience that they had with God. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is great. That 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 is a goldmine of, of, of thought there. So it, it's like Ezekiel's wheel within a wheel within a wheel. Everyone with this whole thing is experiencing God in the now. And but when we get out of the now, when, when we get out of the now, then we're left with hollow commands. And we're actually hiding from God behind the commandments because the commandments don't desire our uh, don't initiate or catalyze our conscience. We leave our conscience behind. I'm following the command no matter what God says. Mm-hmm. And, and that that is bereft of the nature of God, bereft of the being of God. The commands are hollow. They mean nothing, you know, and um, they do nothing to uh, let us connect with God now and to have unmediated consultation with God through our consciences. So anyway, I know I'm doing all the talking there, but that's sort of just the takeoff from, you know, where we were last mm-hmm. week. Bill, what happened to you since last time or what did you want to recap or spin? No, I, th- I, th- I think that, you know, that's so well summed. Um, the little things I wrote, it's it's really interesting and, and might might be a slightly different take on it. <clears throat> but I think, and, and I've, I don't know if I've talked about this here before or not, but I've talked about it at least on some of my writings and, and in other places before. If you look at cultural Christianity, um, and, and I'm not even talking just in the, the 21st century here, even going all the way back for the last 1700 years or, or more. It, it's really interesting to see um, the kind of effects and, and this kind of draw back into legalism. And, and, and it's so funny because in Galatians, Paul talks about it. So, I mean, we weren't even one generation outside of Jesus and they were already struggling to pull everything back into the legalism. Right. So it's, this is a natural thing that, that humanity has struggled with since, you know, the garden story allegory or not. Um, and, and, and it's cyclical. We go through this seemingly over and over again. And, and it's this really interesting dichotomy that we have to have this societal 
thing. And, and, and there's really, I think, two kind of ways we can look at that. We have kind of the, the legalistic rules, order, law and order. I mean, America is a good example of that Canada has it. Any good society has a structure and, you know, a hierarchy and all these kind of things to try and maintain a society. But the reality is that's, if we're going to be honest, the opposite of what the bride of Christ is really supposed to be. The, this organic ministering, um, you know, unbelievably hyper gracious, you know, collective of people who are all individually responding to the father, but responding in the same heart, not the same way, the same heart, because ways are, are, are what I think, Richard, you're saying is what gets us tied up sometimes, because how I respond in situation A it's really easy for me to legalize that and say, well, this is what God wants every single time in every single situation. We're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. Now we have a doctrine. Now we have a rule. Go be like. Now we can relax. Now we can relax. And what we've done is we've just flipped the scripture. Now we've created governance instead of, you know, having the, this body of Christ who's alive and thriving, not through, not through any set command of X, Y, and Z, but through this responsiveness of doing what the father did, which is exactly what Jesus did and what he wants us to kind of do too. And it's, it's this struggle we've collectively as Christians, if we want to be really, really raw, I think the reason the scriptures are so both wonderful and also this hang up for lack of a better word is because there's a, and this is going to sound weird, but maybe like an envy over the ancient Jewish kind of community. And in other words, they were God's chosen people. You just talked about that, right? They had very clear guidelines of what God wanted and didn't want. And we've been liberated from that. And as Gentiles, we never even were under it <laughs> to begin with, right? And, and, and yet now it's kind of like, man, in certain regards, God was kept trying to liberate the Jews. And now we're trying to put ourselves kind of back under the same structure, you know, sacrifice. Well, Jesus just becomes the sacrifice. Laws, well, we all got those, you know, what we can and can't do and get away with and classify ourselves as saved or unsaved. Um, a king, we're always trying to find a pastor or a person that we can elevate above us to kind of give us kind of a, takes the onus off of me to listen to God and respond, you know, myself. I can I can have a mediator. So it's just very interesting to me how we we tend to kind of go back to the very thing we were supposed to be free from. I was listening to something from um, N.T. Wright this week, and he was talking about how the Jews didn't seem to have as much of a problem with the eating of meat uh, guideline that Paul was giving, but it was the Gentile Christians who had come from that, not the Jewish people. So I thought, well, that's backwards to what I would have thought. And just the 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 income. Well, they've been eating bacon. You know, <laughs> the Jews are like, I got it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea of following the rules, like one thing I was going to ask you guys, what's the difference between a command and a law? Because there's there to me, there's a big difference between commands and laws. And unfortunately, many in the church today take commands and declare them as they were a law. And it's like, no. Um, have you guys encountered that with folks asking you questions about laws and commands? No, I haven't really thought about it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I think it's a loaded question because I no, think it, it can go both. Yeah, I think it can go both ways because we have the Ten Commandments, 
Okay. Right. That's our English translation of that. Agreed. Agreed. And then you have the commands of Jesus, which are obviously intended to be much different. So I think that's where we get hangups is in translation commands and become synonymous with laws in certain contexts. And in other contexts, commands become these overarching (coughs) um, desires of Mm. the father. So you're right. It's loaded. Well, (laughs) I think too, that what we're going for, let me read this an example. Uh, We read this last week, but this is an example of how this, if we can grasp this example, then we can use it as a template on a ton of different things. And we can see how often we do this very same thing. And it's, uh, it's from uh, Luke nine. Uh, and it said, uh, it came to pass and that when the days were near that he should be taken up, that Jesus intently set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. They went and entered into a village of the Samaritans. So as to prepare for him, they didn't receive him because he was traveling with his face set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down and destroy them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them. You don't know what kind of spirit you're of. For the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Mm -hmm. And then they went to another village. Everything we talk about is in this passage. Because these are the servants of the Lord going before his face as he's ascending. He's going to Jerusalem to ascend into heaven, ultimately. And they go before his face, and then when they're not received, they get their little feelings hurt, and they want to call down fire and kill them. And what would they say? As the Lord commanded, as the Lord commanded in Elijah's day. Well, and then if you were to buck him up, if it was Jesus not correcting him, but us, they would say, "You don't know the word. God does that all the time." And see, when you let when you, when we let all these bipolar things coexist. You know, well, the wrath of God, the love of God, mysterious are his ways. He'll smite you one day. He loves me. He loves me not type of thing. When we let both of those things, we are really just self-ruling ourselves. We're picking and choosing. We are picking and choosing our emotions. Whatever emotion I feel, if I feel like rape or I feel like killing, if I feel like that, well, I've got a passage to back it up with. All these fundamentalists we argue with, they pick their passages because they're almost like, this is my temperament. You know, this, now this is me. You know, I have this rage in me and these passages will let me hold on to that rage and I don't need to consult my conscience. Paul said time and time again that our consciences need to bear witness mm. with in the spirit. I, you know, the spirit bearing witness in my conscience that what I'm saying is true or what I'm hearing is true. This, y'all, this is our salvation because you can give me commands all day long, but if I, if my conscience isn't engaged, the, the conscience where Jesus lives in me, then I have no, I'm not bearing witness to anything. I have no authority. I'm following these hollow commands thinking, you know, you, you said a minute ago about having unmediated interaction. What we're really doing is we're, we're letting the commands mediate between us and God, but they're really not even doing that. They're not mediating between us. They're letting me, they're letting my wrath that runs around within me, they're feeling it. Keep hidden, keep hidden, and then and then and then project itself yeah. onto these commands. And that's why that's why the commands. <laughs> when you say you know what all is in a command, uh, you know, or a law or whatever. I mean, at best, a law is a tutor to bring us to Christ, which is the state of being. 
you know, a law might be there to prick your conscience so that you activate the doggone thing. Our <laughs> conscience is there to be activated, to, to, you know, to start engaging the situation for us to have, you know, George Whitfield. I, I live in Whitfield County here, here in Georgia. And um, he would pray, Whitfield would pray for searching, great searchings of heart. You know, and that's what our conscience is. Our, our, our Eden is our conscience. That's where the garden of God is within us. And, you know, it's waiting for us to cultivate it and to partake of it and to open. The, but we shut the doors to it, just like, you know, just like Adam and Eve. We, we, we've shut off our conscience. And that's what these commands do. And, and, and it's really deceptive. It's a really deceptive psychological thing. I mean, you know, I, I see I see people who think they have the law on their side, whether it's prosecutors or it could be defense attorneys, too. But if they think they have the law on their side, they don't have to think about anything anymore. They you know, don't it's have to emotionally get engaged either. Yeah. Yeah. And they can. And it hardens. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, you, you can see people harden. You know, the more legalistic they are, you know, the, the, the more inhuman on some level, you know, that they start appearing. They don't have natural feelings. They don't have natural empathy and in, in, in all that. Just, um, I mean, it's, it, you know, it, this is, and, and really when we think about Jesus as the Logos to come live in us, what is that saying except that the Logos is the nature of God that lives in us, mm. that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, the Logos is in us, the Logos is not a law, that's the worst yeah. thing we can do is make yeah. the Logos yeah. into a law, which is what most people do with it, it's so, a being, it's a state of being. I'm ready to be corrected on this. And even though we're recording this, I'm ready to be corrected in front of you. <laughs> but I have, I've looked at law and commands as two different things. The law, if you break it, there's a punishment associated with it. So that's more like the old covenant or legalism. But the commands of the New Testament, I don't think are punishment associated with it. They're the commands for our benefit, for guiding us to the place where we live from the voice in us, not from a book. So the, to me, the difference between laws and commands, <laughs> commands are there for a good. Do them. You'll live well. If you don't look, there's consequences. People don't think, well, we're not under law. Therefore, we're, you know, there aren't consequences. Yes, there are consequences to stuff. So uh, even in our thinking to apply all that and make it take our commands and make them laws, which I see the church do because um, yeah. the Bible says, right? And it's like, wait a minute, even the words of Jesus saying, here, do this. It'll go well for you. Like, I don't know. Like that, that's where I'm, does that make any sense? Like, cause to me, I, that's how I'm seeing it. It's a way to keep it separate. So I'm not following a law, but there's room for certain laws because we live in a society and that's a different kind of law. Well, I, I remember the old saying, you know, uh, a spiritual man uh, doesn't need a contract and an unspiritual man can't keep one. Yeah. And, and, Ooh, and, 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 and I think that the societal laws and things like that, uh, are because we are unspiritual. You know, I, I think mm -hmm. they're there to protect victims and things like that because we're unspiritual. If we were all spiritual, we, we, we you know, we wouldn't need it because the only command is love. Everything is summed yes. up in the command yeah. of love, you know, but that's, but to see, uh, I, I think you, you, that's great distinction. I mean, it's not like we just sit here and we don't, you know, we don't hear ethics or we don't think on ethics or we don't weigh ethical decisions and that sort of thing. And, and, and Jesus gives us <laughs> And I, I think on those things, it always brings you back into an unmediated interaction with the father. I do what I hear the father do. I say what I hear him say, not what he said. I don't, I don't do what I hear my father said. I do what I hear my father say. That's right. You Makes know, difference. yeah, I, I, I think you're onto something, Mike. And, and 
how do you articulating this to just it just even to yourself is something that is so different if you're not already in this heart place in some regards like the, pro the progression to even get one ourselves there when we've been in legalism for so long and and we start to come out of it, it it's it's very nuanced and i think there's there's things like command and law that, that are that are interrelated but that also have separate perspectives behind them right um one of the things that i i keep coming back to are the fruits of the spirits right mm -hmm. and you know love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness self-control there are no laws against these things right mm -hmm. The reality is the law, just however you want to call it, Ten Commandments, is a good place to start just because people are familiar with them. The reality from a love perspective, the Ten Commandments are stupidly low, right? That's a low bar. <laughs> Don't go sleep with your neighbor's wife. Okay, that's that's about the lowest level of loving your own spouse effectively, right? Like, it's a don't as opposed to a do. There are so many more effective ways that love transcends law yeah. than, than that. What's interesting about the fruit of the spirit passage and what happens so easily, so almost unconsciously for, and I think this is where we have to have the consciousness, just like you're talking about the consciousness of Christ capturing every thought. And we have to allow that to be alive within us. Cause the second we become dead to our own consciousness, we, we flip right back into that legalism state. We set these low bars. And, and I'm going to give you an example, because if you go to the passage right before the fruit of the Spirit, right? Um, we're talking Galatians uh, 5, 19. So this is where Paul's kind of leading into that. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, adultery and witchcraft, hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions and envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what do we do? We start looking around and judging anyone else immediately. Okay, who's doing those things? And they're not, you know, they're, they, we got to create laws to stop that. What I think the point is, and if we even use Jesus as the filter, which is what Richard said to do. Jesus said, stop worrying about the plank in your brother's eye or, you know, or the speck in your other brother. Worry about the plank in your own eye. And I think if we're reading this through the filter of the spirit, these aren't about looking externally and evaluating them. They're about looking introspectively and go, okay, where do I have my hangups that aren't loving and produce joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Now there's the filter. So but how quickly are we to take that first portion and try to structure that societally and regulate other behavior as opposed to introspectively realizing that, that love wants us, desires us to transcend so far past those things that, that we can have this conscious relationship with the Father at all times. But that's, again, it's nuance. It's not, we don't get there in day one or, you know, that's definitely not a square one step. So this divine uh, theory, this, uh, what do we call it again? I forget. Divine uh, command. Divine command theory, sorry. Um, it's almost like uh, our focus uh, in, if you think God's like that, you're glued to pieces of paper, to texts. You're not listening and looking for anything else. It's uh, You're glued into something else and you're you don't see else. Jesus. Pardon? 
a per something else, a person, yeah. a text. It's a distraction yeah. from the source of true life. Yes. So it's really a mystery. You're, you're outsourcing your own oh. conscience to this. Well, right. and it, so much of it's just what we've been taught in what, whichever, whichever denomination or whichever, you know, surroundings we've been raised up. It, we're taught that that's what the Lord said. We don't question it. We don't scrutinize it. We don't dip it in our conscience and, and, and find out to what extent we, our consciences bear witness with it. Now, are you saying you can change the words of Jesus? I, I, I'm saying that, that Jesus lives in us and that every knee, every knee must bow to, to him. Every scriptural interpretation, yep. every scripture must bow the knee to Jesus. Mm. All right. And if it's not, this is, and this is what I, anyone can say, any religion can say, well, I've heard this from God. I've heard this from God for us. And what I'm convinced of is that it is the Jesus in our conscience that catalyzes whether or not mm. this demand is of God, because it may not literally be of God the way it's stated, but there may be a seed in it that might be something that can be catalyzed into life. You know, by 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 the Jesus, by the spermatosa, you know, that's in the stoza, that's that's in the spirit that can activate the thing. But it's Jesus that activates these states of being. And if we have the right state of being, you know what? We don't need laws. Mm -hmm. You know, if we if we abide in the state of being which Jesus tells us to, then we don't need laws because we're too busy hearing in the moment, not just to do the you know the ethically best thing, but to do the miraculously wonderful thing. You yep. know, in the Going well, right back to that, right back to that passage in Galatians where he's leading up, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean heaven. That doesn't mean some place we're going to get saved if we do the things right and wrong. What it means is the kingdom of heaven is among you or within you right now. You're not going to activate. You're not going to experience. You're not going to manifest. You're not going to overflow. Right, the spirit of this kingdom of God right here, right now, in this very moment. And which dovetails back into what Mike was saying, because, you know, when you, when you think about the curses in the Old Testament, those things are pretty rough in Deuteronomy 28. You know, yeah. you can, all these good things will happen if you if you, oh, you know, if you choose God. But if you don't, then God's going to delight to do this to you, delight to punch you, scratch you, give you this plague, give you that plague, make you cannibals, make you eat your own children, bring in wonderful this and disasters and all this. But really, if we take those literal passages we put the nature of Jesus, we, we pull out the Jesus conscience and we put it over that and we say, no, wait a minute, that's not God. God would never do anything like that. So what's going on in those passages? Mike, it's what you said. To the extent that they were, that, to the extent that God was organically speaking through the people that were speaking that and hearing that, he was trying to warn them about sowing and reaping. Mm -hmm. If you sow, then you give these dark, destructive energies access to come and harm you. It's not God harming you. It's the it's these particular energies that you're giving you. I'm just warning you. All right. But see, everything in the Old Testament that says, well, you know, the law may warn you, but the but the law ultimately, if you break one aspect of it, the whole thing collapses, James says. So it the cure wasn't in the Old Testament. The cure, the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the cure to come. The cure to come is Jesus to come and live in our consciences. And when he does that, then we are now able to, you know, uh, to navigate to where we don't even think in terms of blessing and cursing. You know, we think in terms of just being and, and that Christ in us, the hope of glory, that everything is Christ in us. That's where everything is pointing. And to the extent that the Old Testament 
I mean, that everyone in the Old Testament was a failure. I mean, yeah. when you, how did they all fail one way or the other? Well, and and this is, I think, perhaps to Mike, maybe maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't agree, but and, and this kind of again goes to what we've talked about for so long. One maybe the biggest failure within the the modern church, or maybe even more than the modern church, is our lack of willingness to teach that we can begin to trust that voice mm. within ourselves. We can trust ourselves. I can, I just remember told for so long, you have a wicked heart. Mm. No, I have the spirit of Christ alive in me and I don't have to activate that through some magic prayer. I mean, I do have to maturate it. I have to let it grow. I have to let it, you know, because learn that voice shepherd voice from the other voice, right? It's it's not an instant process, but over time, I know what love is and I can trust myself to to hear the voice of Christ. And this is even harder and maybe even a bigger failure to trust my fellow brothers and sisters mm. to do the same in their moments. You Amen. haven't met my brothers and sisters. I don't trust them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right? Like To trust that I have someone hearing the voice yeah. of the Holy Spirit and maybe I'm going, who I don't, I wouldn't have done it that way. But in that moment at that time, the Holy Spirit was able to work through that person organically. And we do see a, People who are more mature, we probably have more trust and less. And but we're so inclined to be distrusting from mm -hmm. a from a collective standpoint. And again, that goes back to governance, right? Even our government says, "I don't trust you." So exactly. I put laws in place. Speed limits a good example to be safe on the road. So I need you to go below this threshold and not. And what do we all do? We go up against that threshold as tight as we can, and then we push above it. Yep, that's, yep. that's the yep. opposite of trust. We're going to wrap this up because um, we're, our, we're out of time. Um, but I have something to come. We'll start our next session with the, what I'm, I want to jump into because I want to continue this conversation because I just saw something in Second Peter uh, chapter 1 that kind of, kind of shows us why this divine command theory is a problem. And I love it. It just, it, to me, it's really real. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that conversation. We're going to come back next week with part four. This is part three. And if you haven't seen the other parts, go back and watch them because they're really, really good. So anything else, guys, before we wrap this up? All right. I'm good. All right. Here we go. All right. My goodness. I hope you uh, enjoyed the depth of that conversation. Next week will be part four and final. Uh, so this is a four part series on divine command theory. I honestly, I hope you're liking this comment of what you, what you like uh, in what you're hearing, uh, or if you have a question or something, comment in the comment section and uh, we'll try and address it. Um, we won't address it next week, but maybe the, we can have a, uh, like a feedback time and, and see what, what folks think. Uh, I just think it's a really important topic that we've we've got to deal with, and I think the wrap up next week is is just fantastic. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope today's a wonderful day for you. We will catch you next week with the final conversation on debunking divine command theory, and uh, I know it may go a bit deep and, and do a deep dive, uh, and not like some of the other stuff that we've done. That's just. I don't know, we'll kind of zoom through a topic and, and, and encourage one another with that. This one's a little bit different, but it's still really important. So I'll catch you next week. Thanks again for being here, part of Still Growing in Grace. 
Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.